Welcome to another episode of the Garantha Initiation Series, where we talk to members of the tribe who recently joined the God Learner Studies. The God Learner Podcast wants to investigate how people comparatively new to Garantha experience the world. What are the rewards? What are the hurdles when approaching this setting? So, I'm Jörg. And I'm Lido, aka Lord Abdul. And today we have Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, y'all. So, um, who are you? Please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. My name is Matt. Um, is he him pronouns? Uh, right now, uh, actually just recently moved to Virginia on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, and uh, of course, we are a role-playing game podcast, so we're mostly interested in your role-playing game creds. So how did you get in the hobby? My cred, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I did. I did... I did do the math before we sat down here and I've been playing role-playing games for 24 years now. I stumbled upon... Wait, 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 because you look 25. I'm I'm 36. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was in the sixth grade, I was in a bookstore and I saw Dungeons and Dragons third edition on the shelf. So I pulled that off and it's all downhill from there, you know, like <laughs> I started playing that with my brother and then our friends or, you know, the friends that would continue playing at least. Uh, and when I, when I got to high school, uh, that's when one of my friends uh, showed me Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, and I got sucked into the world of darkness for... Nice pun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it is, right? It's uh, it's the lore heavy... It was the first lore heavy game I had really had uh, contact with. You got into like the whole meta plot of Vampire and... and... Uh, yeah, more so the what what I ended up really loving was Mage. Uh, Mage oh, season. nice! So I got really sucked for, into for that. the discerning world of Darkness player. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, if you've got interests in like cultures and different beliefs about magic and things like that, uh, that's definitely where I was. I was drawn, and I thought it was just so cool and interesting, and there's so much to think about, and uh, that really held my attention for quite a long time. So yeah, I, I played I played World of Darkness. I, then you know they blew up the whole world, and then they made a new World of Darkness. Uh, I don't you know we don't need to get into the weeds of this, right? But uh, I played all those too, and um, and then uh, right around when Fifth Edition came out for D and D, I tried that out, um, but I quickly discovered uh, like OSR type games, mm -hmm. like uh, old school Renaissance stuff. So I played some of those, and that kind of got me to which like, a lot uh, which of those ones. Uh, so I would I was playing like BX Essentials. It now yeah. it's called Old School Essentials, but yeah. I really like because it came in these staple bound zine formats that I was like, "Ooh, this is cool!" So you know I got sucked into that. Uh, but I really liked just playing real simple stuff. But I kind of got tired of it after a little while, uh, and then I was playing some of those games. Like I think you've mentioned Troika on this podcast before. Uh, possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really got into Troika for a while, mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, that's. You know, pandemic. I was running a Troika campaign uh, online cool. that I really liked. Yeah. Okay, so that's your non-Garantan experience, right? How did you How did you uh, encounter RuneQuest and Garantha? Yeah, um, I, I encountered it through Call of Cthulhu, uh, which you know, towards the end of my Troika playing, uh, I saw. I think uh, I don't want to say his name wrong, but it's Seth Skorkowski as a YouTube series. Mm -hmm. And he had this episode on the Call of Cthulhu starter set. And uh, it sounded really awesome. And I liked how, you know, it was just like, oh, you play by yourself, then you play with a friend, and there you go. So I got that. And I played that, and 
I, you know, I was running Call of Cthulhu with my friends and family for a little while. And then um, I'm on the Chaosium website and I see this ad for uh, RuneQuest Classic, right? The uh, the reprint of the, I guess, second edition, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That hardcover. And it's like on sale for like 16 bucks. And uh, I had been playing, you know, OSR games. So I was like, oh, you know, it'd, it'd probably be cool to see this because I had, you know, I had not read anything about it or read it, read it at all ever. So... I ordered that shows up in the mail and I crack it open and man, I read that thing cover to cover. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever read in so long. It's so like <laughs> really like it was so different, but like, like I think uh, Greg's writing, like the way he explains things in that book uh, was really awesome. Like I just was like, Oh, here it is. It's all, he figured it all out. And what is this? 1978. This is great. <laughs> Although I, I think, I think, 80% of the writing was actually Steve Perrin and his oh, friends really? in there, I think. Oh, okay. I think well, the then rules... Steve Perrin did a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think all, all the rules-related stuff was Steve Perrin and his friends. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, not to take away any uh, yeah. mm. anything from Greg Stafford, but, uh, yeah, my understanding is that at the time, he barely knew what the role-playing game was, and so he said, like, hey, this one looks good and better than D&D, so I'm going to put glory right. in that. <laughs> no, actually, actually uh, Greg uh, told the story differently in the uh, uh, Stafford campaign papers. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember. What, what did he say? Well, uh, basically, he uh, had some clear demands for the magic system, like having something like battle magic, having something greater, and so on. It's all in the free preview. I will link that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to get back to Matt, um, so... The RuneQuest 2nd Edition is arguably also OSR. Well, it's not yeah. even OSR. It's like the original stuff. But yeah. uh, it's very different in spirit from the generally minimalistic approach of the modern OSR revival. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think the thing about OSR uh, that was really... Like you know, I I still like those games uh, a lot. Like especially old school essentials, I think is a really slick little, like you said, minimalist game. But uh, I had kind of gotten tired of a couple things, you know, just playing the same kind of games again and again. And one of those was um, like leveling up, like just like <laughs> then you just get more and more hit points, and then okay, now I got to start scaling these monsters up. And so I was kind of in the, I don't know, mentally prepared for that to be different. And then also like. I don't know. There's just something about the the way it's sort of described in that, you know, when I was first reading that hardcover, the uh, particularly the magic section was really intriguing to me. Because again, also that sort of abstracting out like, oh, you your first level, you have one spell and it's from this list, right? Like that whole thing. I wasn't really keen on uh, <laughs> with uh, old school stuff. It wasn't the great, like, you know, it runs a game, right? And lets it go. But um, it's really hard to like world build or like create a setting that that fits around it. Uh, and then like just seeing like, again, like just seeing the the writing in the in the that classic book being like, OK, your constitution, that's how many hit points you have. Your power score, that's how many magic points you have. And like and just like it being that and it being like a little bit more complex, but also really simple. Still, I thought, you know, mm -hmm. at least yeah. it felt that way to me when I was reading it. And then just like having, okay, and then you can spend points to cast spells and that all, for me, it was still very simple, right? Like it's layers of complexity, but those complex layers weren't necessarily uh, crunching up the game too much. I know everyone likes to describe RuneCast as being very crunchy, uh, which mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to dispute that here, but I'm also going to say that uh, uh, I one of the things my job is I'm a I'm a high school teacher uh, and I have a tabletop games club that I help run. Uh, mm-hmm. and the, kid, the kids there really like uh, Lancer. Have you heard of this game, Lancer? Uh, is it the the thing with the robots? Yeah, the giant mechs. Okay. Yeah, I, I I've just seen the cover, but yeah. That game is crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> that is a crunchy game. All right, so. Okay. I'll put RuneQuest a little bit below that game in crunch scale. So, right. Um, yes. But yeah, I'm looking at RuneQuest. I'm like, oh, roll under D100. Oh, thank God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did you did you get much of a sense of the setting through the the RuneQuest Second Edition? Um, not really. No. I mean, I think I think you've mentioned before, or maybe I've seen it online, but that's it's more just like the game. But like what you do get in it is so like mystifying and interesting that like, you know, it's like a, it's that first taste, right? You got to get more because yeah. uh, uh, Rurik Saga is like, that's incredible, right? Like he's just yeah. like, first of all, he's like a, a real dope. Like he like keeps failing at everything he does. They're like, <laughs> like he's in a bar and he gets, you know, accosted. So he like accidentally kills a guy. <laughs> and then uh, later he's like trying to guard some horses and some baboons attack. You're like, baboons? Talking baboons? What? You know, it just keeps like going on like that. And I, and uh, the other part that's really enjoying, really great is I think there's like an attack, a fight on a bridge with some trolls and they like beat everyone else on his team and he just throws his weapons down and shouts out his ransom. <laughs> like, it's just so, he's just so bad at everything that, I, that it was just really endearing. Right. But yeah, but but it, it does hint at an interesting world where you know, yeah, yeah ransom, talking baboons, spirit combat, and all that. That is mm-hmm. really different from what you would get from even the implied setting of DND. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah, and to think Rurik eventually becomes a rune master. Uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it shows up in is is it him in Cults of Prax? Because that's the next yes. thing I got was. Maybe yeah. obviously, maybe not obviously, but Cult of Price was the next thing. Is that him, like the Rune Lord? At yeah, the end of that's the him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You see him and you're like, wow, things have really changed for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had to die for that once. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't die at the end of the saga in the, the core book or something. Yes, uh, by taking on one troll and too many. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the classic, even the troll can, can kill you, yes. Yeah, which is great, right? Like that was the other thing too, right? Like it, especially that idea of ransom. Like I really, I really like that because you know I've played plenty of D and D game where suddenly the best thing to do is to kill all your ha- captives or or whatever. And like I'm sitting there like, geez, guys, this is getting kind of grim. Don't you think you could just like send these people home or something? They're like, no, no one can know about this, and they just kill everybody. But I love the idea of ransom. Like it builds this. uh this idea that like, well, first of all, like maybe we shouldn't just indiscriminately kill everyone. Uh, it gives you a little, little reward for, for not doing that. And, uh, and then it also like implies that you have a ransom, which you do. And that also implies that you're related to everyone around you in this massive cohesive debt relationship. Right. So it's, uh, (laughs) with, uh, historical understanding a little bit better right yeah. 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 Um, since you were saying you were playing with kids, I don't know if you, notice this or not but i've i've heard a couple of anecdotes basically that kids especially when it's a group of girls playing where it's like oh yeah these 
kobolds or these orcs are attacking this village and what are you going to do and you know being old gamers they're like okay you know there's going to be a combat and no actually the the, the kids go no let's figure out what's wrong and then they mm-hmm. you know uh negotiate with the with the orcs and uh, organize a place for them to uh, um uh, in the forest to be able to hunt and uh, right. <laughs> uh and so basically resolve things peacefully and try to make everybody uh everybody friends and all that so uh, i don't know if you've noticed that um yeah uh what i've noticed in my 20 something years of playing is that when people have never played a role-playing game before that's how they act right when it's their first game yeah. they'll sit there and they'll like really think about the situation and like try to come to peace or come to terms with it um, but if I play with someone who's played a game before, it's that other way. They're like, ah, well, we'll just fight them to the death. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the club that I'm at right now is all kids who had started playing 5th edition before I met them. Uh, so, yeah, we you know we played some 5th edition games and they're just kind of like, all right, let's fight. And then I'm casting this and they're very knowledgeable about their character, you know, uh, builds and stuff like that. And that's, I think, yeah. why Lancer is so appealing to them because their build is literally the, how they built their giant robot. So. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah, so nice. I, I, I definitely see that split um, with people. I think for me, though, it's been the people who've not played an RPG before. They like mm-hmm. think about the actual situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes you wonder when they turn from one type to the other then. I know, right? What, what is it? What does that? <laughs> is it reaching second level? Is that what does it? Yeah, it's, it's pow- power Power corrupts. And right. Absolutely. And second level power corrupts. Absolutely. Maybe already reaching the first level. Right. Yeah. Once you establish that levels exist, then they're like, okay, I got to climb this ladder somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why uh, uh, games without classes and levels tend to be, uh, tend to have people who are not as much um, uh, like a murder hobo or, well, murder tourists. Murder tourists. <laughs> yeah, like some. I I read online somebody uh, arguing that we shouldn't call them murder hobos because usually they are super rich and they just choose to travel. So it's more like murder right. tourists. Mur- I I love that. That's exactly what it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Your experience seemed to be mostly the classic line until now. So um, did you continue that line or did you switch to the current uh, game? Yeah. Yeah. I never, I should clarify, I never actually played the classic game. Uh, I got that book and I read it and I loved it. And then, you know, there's that inkling of setting in it. So I got Cults of Prax. And then, you know, obviously I was immediately rewarded by being able to read the saga of Interior Virage, which was just as good for different reasons. Uh, I started reading. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've actually read that thing cover to cover. I've skipped around to different cults in it, but uh, just that was like, wow, okay, there's like so many more cults than just the ones that were in the core book. Uh, and then I, you know, I'd been, you know, I, to get both of these books, I have to go to the Cassian website, and you know, I have to skirt, you know, scroll past the Runecrest and go around the slipcase, and I'm like, nah, maybe another time. But after I, read, you know, read Cults of Prax, I was like, okay. You know, they're saying that the new game is very similar in rules to this this one, which granted I've still not played, but I've already read those rules, right? So I'm just like, okay, cool. So it'll be similar to that. Uh, so I got the slipcase, right? Long story short, uh, and that's what I've I've played. Like I've played that uh, version of the game, uh, and yeah, slipcase, beautiful, right? Art is uh, incredible. Some of the best art I've seen in any RPG book. Um, Rules are pretty similar too, right? To the classic line, they're not too different. Uh, yeah. Especially, 
it's really interesting to see that almost all the spells are like identical pretty much, um, which is pretty cool. So yeah. And then, um, you know, it's just way longer, right? Like the classic <laughs> yes. book is like everything in like a hundred and something pages. And then the slipcase is all of that information. It's more stuff too, obviously, but uh, it's just like more pages to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Did you start out as the GM or? Uh, yeah. So I, I did, uh, I had, I had a couple, I had a false ish start with it as a GM. Uh, and then now recently for the past few months, I've been a player in somebody else's campaign, um, which is rare for me. Usually, you know, I'm the forever GM, um, but uh, <laughs> through the magic of the internet, I can find a different forever GM and play in their game. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my, uh, my first attempt was sort of to, um, be like this is the coolest thing ever like let me let me take somebody else through character creation uh which is maybe my biggest bone to pick with this version of the game is that uh character creation is maybe uh uh for somebody who hasn't read all the books that i had read up until doing character creation it it took us three evenings to make one character wow uh, which yeah when that was you know you know every time something came up she's like well what is that i was like okay hold on i actually don't know yeah. <laughs> we'll go so it took a long time right what, um, what like bes besides so family history takes a long time especially if was, you want to most of it. Yeah, yeah. If, especially if you want to know like you know the off offhand mention to you know war in the holy country and you go like what the fuck is that and that so was, yeah. there, there might be like a, a sort of wikipedia rabbit hole phenomenon there was there anything else that also um uh, yeah, th that gave a lot of uh, fatigue, right? That brought up a lot of fatigue. So by the time it was like, okay, now pick these, excuse me, pick these skills, pick your spells, now pick your other spells, right? Like that became like, that was kind of like, hey, you know, I basically I learned don't do family history with somebody. <laughs> right. Um, I, th I think if I remember correctly from the, the designer diary, they didn't want a like zero to he a slow zero to hero game experience like in the in the old uh, edition right. and so they wanted to have starting characters that were already competent mm -hmm. but yeah. that indeed goes into the problem that in RuneQuest second edition you start and you're basically a nobody so you don't know anything so character right. creation goes faster yep. uh, in RuneQuest Glorenta yeah you already have a cult you already have some spells you already have some etc but then yeah you do need to pick them and then you do need to understand what cults yeah. are there and what they're for because they're more complicated than just a class right uh, i know yeah. that one of my players was like i want a hunter cult and i'm like okay there's odaila yinkin and found chalice like <laughs> why are there three what's the difference and i'm like right. i don't know let's look into it so yeah i, I understand the, the, yeah. the thing yeah yeah it really taxed my you know i was like oh, okay yeah you know i you know for me personally like i feel really confident in the like you know the brp kind of the way the rules work like i feel really confident on that like uh and if if i don't remember something i feel like it's super easy to just be like all right let's just roll a d100 uh we'll figure it out it's not hard um but then just being like confronted with like you know the battle at grizzly peak it's like okay um and that's just i just pulled it off the top of my head it's just like okay i don't know much about that probably was a battle probably from what i know now near a mountain that looks like a bear that's my guess right yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Right. And so like, that's, you know, I, once you start to get a feel for it, you can be like, okay, why is this called that name? It's probably because it looks like that or somebody did that here. Um, And that kind of gets, that was kind of my first really confrontation with like, there's way more stuff about the setting than I, I know Uh, it's starting to scare me a little bit. Uh, This isn't, this isn't the world of darkness uh, where I can be like, New York is New York. I know that. And you know, it's like, there's this other stuff. There's this whole other layer to it. Uh, my best example of that is, I think, um, like stuff on the map. Like you look at the map and it's like, oh, here's a place called, uh, I think there's a place called Larnstein's Table, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, you look at the map, you're like, looks like a mesa. Probably why it's called Table, right? Who's Larnstein, right? Like that's your next, yeah. that's my next thought. And then it's just like, okay, <laughs> let me look through the book. Can't find it. No <laughs> how, idea. How yeah. was that different from the even more vague and implied setting of the the old RuneQuest second edition though i think in the classic you look at it and you're like nobody knows and now in, <laughs> in RuneQuest role-playing Glorantha, you look at it and you go there's 35 people on the internet who know the answer to this question <laughs> right like that that's the feeling i get i'm like okay somebody this is somewhere right like that's and that's what's overwhelming in that first book you're looking at it, you're like this is the only book Nobody knows what this place is. Right. It's got duck in the name. I bet ducks live there. That's it. Right. Like, you know, I'm good. You really read the second edition book as if you were in 1978. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was I was looking at the text knowing that the people writing it maybe had answers, but like, you know, if this was all you had, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Which was very freeing in that way. But uh, but yeah, anyway, so like, you know, running it you know, getting that one character made made me go, okay, you know what will work a lot better? Pre-gens. Let's do the pre-gens for the other players. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I curated them down and I was like, pick these ones. And I and I tried running, um, what's that quick start scenario? The Broken Tower, which yes. is fantastic. What a great scenario. Um, yeah. Ran that. And after my sort of disastrous, like spending three days, basically three nights, really making a character with somebody and trying to explain all this stuff for the other characters was like, pick the people that look coolest to you. We'll figure it out while we play. Like just all you need to know is like these four bullet points or whatever, which I think are in the quick start, like the world is magical, the ruins, et cetera. Uh, And that went really well because like that way, the only lore that came up was the lore that I knew, right? Like if 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 I didn't know it, then I didn't bring it up kind of thing. So, and it worked kind of great because like, you know, from my perspective, reading the book, like you get to the fifth or sixth page and it shows you a picture of Glorantha and it's that cube shaped planet, right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, that's weird and cool. Everyone should know that, but they don't need to know that, right? They don't need that information to go get the cattle back. So um, there's that that disconnect, I think, as a as a reader and enjoyer of like, well, I know, you know, I know 30% of all the facts and they know 1% of the facts, like they're not going to enjoy it as much as I do, but that's not true at all. So, um, have you, have you seen so the size of the, the guide to Glorenta and the source book combined? I, I, I wonder if you actually know 30% of the facts. No, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I know 30% don't. of what's in the core book. I should have right. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the source book is a good, a good mention too, because, um, that is the book that I read. Uh, that was the Ooh, next purchase I got nice. after the slipcase. When I got that, I read that. I was like, oh, you like in my mind, it, it feels like the family history is built assuming you've read the source book. That's my take on it, at least. Mm-hmm. Like, if you read the source book and then you go back and do family history, it's like it's referring to stuff in the source book. Yes. 
So that gave me that feeling of like, oh, okay, right. And um, it also answered lots of the thousand some odd questions that I had about this Orlanth guy that shows up everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. So uh, that, yeah, that book was super useful to me. And like having read that now, I'm like, okay, I feel good about this whole thing. Uh, I feel oh. feel confident that uh, I know what I would want to make up in session and I know what I'd rather look up and I know what I'm uh, interested in and that kind of stuff, if that makes any sense. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you're obviously playing Rukus third edition. Have you considered taking uh, using a different system for Glorantha? Glorantha in OSE? Yeah. Well, not in OSE. No, I've, I've, uh, I have fantasized about a different character creation system because uh, remember the Call of Cthulhu starter set. Uh, I pretty much just used that for Call of Cthulhu. Like I know the Keeper rulebook, which I have, has a more advanced character creation system. But the starter mm -hmm. set, I don't know if you've looked at it lately, but the starter set is a much truncated and simpler mm -hmm. investigator creation system. Actually, the, um, the investigator handbook has some alternate uh, right. character creation, including the super fast one that fits in like one paragraph uh, where you just allocate like six values to your characteristics and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I saw, you know after I got into Glarantha, I, I looked back at that and I was like, Is this too hard? Like, can we just do it this way? Right? Like, can we can we have it? Can we just pick an occupation and be like, spread these 10 skills over it or something and pick yeah. three passions and three runes maybe and then just get started? Like, I don't know, yeah. I fantasized about that, but, you know, it'd be a lot of, it's a lot of writing to like sit down and be like, okay, well then you pick from these, you pick from this and I don't know. So I'd love to see a simpler, you know, somewhere in between a pre-generated character and the full-blown, you know, 21-year-old Glorantan hero character creation system. I'd love to see a, an in-between of that. Um, I mean, but, uh, uh, the, the core rules actually uh, say you can skip the family uh, background and just use some assumptions for that and go with that. So it yeah. can, uh, can be... Uh, scaled back a lot everything in this core rules can right actually yeah. i wonder if what you're fantasizing about is not already on the uh Chaosium runequest wiki is that's, it really that too um that's the with a starter set the, uh, the starter set came with a couple more pre-gen characters but it mm -hmm. also has a quick toss together of some pre-gen uh, blocks uh, creating uh, new and individual characters so the so to be clear, the starter set, the RuneQuest starter set doesn't have character creation rules. It just right. has pregens. But Chaosium made a wiki with like basically a fast character creation for people who haven't bought the rule book yet, but they want to get more out of the starter set. So you All may right. want to check that out actually. All right, I will. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Uh, anything that's that's the thing is I I want people to make characters, but I also don't want to be like, you've got to read the source book first, right? And I know you can skip family history, but uh, but yeah, there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think the they made the family history to sort of front load knowledge about the setting to mm -hmm. the GM and the player and end up with a character who has lived through the setting that you don't know. Right. But indeed, if 
if if you're the sort of person who reads yeah about the battle of grizzly peak and you're like oh cool there was a battle cool my dad was there awesome let's keep right. going uh, <laughs> that's okay uh, yeah, right. it still takes like you know it can easily still take an hour to go through it yeah Yes, but if you're the type of person who goes like Grizzly Peak, what's that? Oh, right. what's that here? Who are the Lunars? Who is the yeah. Feathered Horse Queen? Okay, yeah. let me look all of that up. Then yeah, yeah, I can see that it can easily. Um, yeah. If you're the type of person who clicks on all the hyperlinks in the Wikipedia page, then yes, <laughs> you're 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 fucked. Yeah, and l- let's be clear: if we're that kind of person, that's probably why we're playing this game, right? <laughs> that's a that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> So you started with a quick start adventure. What kind of adventures have you played since? Or did you GM no more? Yeah, that was actually the last time I GM'd it. So uh, I've been playing uh, since as a player in a, an online campaign, which I've really been enjoying because uh, that was kind of my thought. It's just like, okay. Um, there's, so that, like, I've not bought any published scenarios other than the quick start. Okay. Um, so, um, but like, that's kind of my thought is if I was going to run it again, I might, I might dip into that, but, um, well, you, you did buy adventures because they're in the game master pack in the sleep case. Yes, that's right. I have those. I'm sorry. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen those, but, uh, as a player, you know, the first adventure was the, that broken tower. So, you know, I, I kept, kept my, kept my, my beak tight and didn't say anything while I was playing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm a duck anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh nice. yeah, I didn't, didn't, I, you know, I didn't use, didn't use that knowledge, uh, to, you know, whatever. But since then we've been doing what I can only surmise is homebrew stuff or some scenario I've not purchased. So where, where is your current campaign set? And you know, when, what, what, what does yeah, it do? Um, with? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's the standard timeline from the, the core book and, uh, it's in Sartar. Uh, we just finished a little trip over to, um, gosh, what's it called? Uh, where the Shaker Temple is. That place. Uh, um, we've done a win, winter top? Yes, Wintertop. We okay. went there and have come back. Oh, cool. Did, did you witness any horrible stuff at the Shaker Temple? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. There was a lot of uh, cannibalism, innuendos. Yes, yes, yes. Innuendos implied, but uh, right. our purpose there uh, meant we were uh, on friendly-ish terms, so we were not eaten, which is great. Uh, <laughs> right, well, what were you, why were you going so there? It was, uh, it was like fallout or follow-up from uh, the Broken Tower, so like spoilers for the Broken Tower, but... Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. People can skip ahead. You got one okay. minute. Right. <laughs> one minute. All right. Go. Uh time me. Uh so you know, Adrema shows up and uh then uh in clear wine they're like, Well, you know, you know who knows a lot about this kind of stuff is the people at the Shaker Temple. So since you guys have resolved the the what is it, the Grey Dog clan dispute, uh, with Danicos and all that. Since you just you you've done that, why don't you guys go over to the Shaker Temple and tell them about Adrema, and then they'll tell us what to do about it. So, oh, cool. And what what did they say to do then? Oh, the Shaker Temple. Yeah, we did a um, essentially did a hero quest mm-hmm. um, while we were there, where I f- uh, I fumbled uh, quite a bit, so my duck went duck went to hell uh, <laughs> uh, during it. Uh, so my you know my duck did not uh, really resolve that situation. He kind of just rode along and survived, uh, <laughs> but uh, the rest of the party was able to uh, figure out uh, how Adrema was related to Marin Gore and what to what to essentially do about that, which um, we still haven't done yet. We've 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 now traveled back in our 
about to do it. Uh, which, nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, the the obligatory question about hero quest is uh, hero questing is one of the main things of the setting, and famously, RuneQuest doesn't have any rules for that. So, what what what, yeah. what did your GM use for uh, hero questing? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but I'm pretty sure she got a bunch of great advice online and and did something to that effect. I know, you know, I was asked to make some some die rolls here and there, uh, one of which <laughs> I pulled uh, and went down. Uh, so, cool. um, yeah, it, it seemed to me like um, uh, they were using some sort of um, uh, they were doing a really good job, like describing the you know the parts of the myth that we were entering and the god time kind of descended over us and so forth but uh you know i kind of deliberately was just sort of like all right this is a roller coaster ride i'm gonna go on it and uh you know <laughs> yeah. fell off the roller coaster so <laughs> well that sounds awesome cool. yeah yeah I, I it was sort of a a wizard of oz thing where i didn't want to look behind the curtain yeah. so I, I yeah like it's <laughs> it's it's another thing that sets glorantha and gaming in glorantha apart yeah so would you recommend to other people to follow your route into Glorantha or uh, would you rather try a different approach? Yeah, you know, I think I think my approach, my way in was very particular to like, I, you know, I'll buy a, an RPG game and I'll read it. And I'll be like, wow, what a great book to read. You know, so like I feel like the, the RuneQuest classic is really great, but uh, I don't know if I'd recommend that as everyone's first book with it. Uh, with the caveat that if all you wanted to do was read kind of just the rules and the system, that's actually kind of a, like, there's a couple things different about it, but that's pretty much the game rules there. Like if you read that, you'd, yeah. you'd be just fine in a Glorantha, yeah. uh, RuneQuest Glorantha game. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I tried to answer this earlier for myself. I was like, what is the best first starting point? Um, but what I do think is a good starting point, um, is the starter set, right? Like that, that world book, the second book in there, you know, when I was reading that, I, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but like, I got that before the source book. So when I was reading that. I felt like I was having a lot of aha moments reading that world book, okay. uh, yeah. which I think is the second book or whatever, just reading that and be like, Oh, okay. That's why that hill is named after this guy. Right. Like, and just, it just finally had that like list of like, here are the names of these places and a one sentence, very brief answer as to why it's called that. And that's like really all I wanted was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this footprint is because he stepped there. Right. Like that's yeah. all, that's all I needed. Right? <laughs> just needed that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they they did a good job with the first half of that world book, mm. sort of summarizing a whole lot of Glorantan lore mm -hmm. in a fairly well, that looks what looks to me a fairly accessible way. I think they dropped the ball on the second half because the Johnstown Johnstown write up is rather boring to me, but yeah. the first half mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I kind of I kind of agree with you on that. Um, it's not a, it's not an electrifying spot, uh, as it were. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Sartar is kind of like the uh, the place I'm least interested in as I'm flipping through and reading and stuff like that. So I enjoyed classic because <laughs> yeah. it's like you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I should mention uh, the game Con of Cons. Yes. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I think that is where everyone should start. Now that I think yes. about it. That's where you should start. You should sit down to play Con of Cons. And if somebody goes, this is a cool setting, you should be like, well, boy, howdy, have I got the game for you. Right? Like, 
<laughs> just pick your yeah. pick your weird animal to ride and we can start yeah and yeah. unless uh well as long as you don't know it's uh, it's an actual setting because again if you're that type of person right. who asks yeah. many questions <laughs> you know you're gonna pick right. a car then you go okay you know what is uh what is dagorin karth and wow right. yeah. what is this drawing here <laughs> are there really cows and cans yeah are there yeah. really yeah <laughs> but yeah i i think that card game is great because it's got that just little dip of like here's the you can ride a weird animal and you're stealing cows like that's yeah. it <laughs> yeah and it's super fast to play you can oh, yeah. you, you can play 300 games in the time it spent you to go through the family history <laughs> <laughs> yes yep but sadly it's not uh it's not in print anymore so it's not being sold i mean it's oh, they lost the license. yeah so i'm wondering like i don't know if it's going to be sold elsewhere by somebody else or if yeah. it's just like gone which would be an absolute tragedy i did have the mental debate of whether i should buy like 10 copies of it or something <laughs> you know i was like it's only yeah. like 11 dollars or something right like, i was like i should just buy a bunch and stack a stockpile them but the i bought i, I bought one copy that right. uh, i have on standby to gift to somebody but uh, yes yeah so i have my copy and i and i bought yeah. one copy when yeah. they announced that it was going out of print uh, yeah so you mentioned like a, a few things that you mm. liked about Lorenza. Uh, is there other things that you want to mention? Yeah, you know, um, obviously I'm playing a duck character. I thought the ducks were real cool. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, and I'm aware that a lot of people don't like them. But, uh, you know, when I was first getting into it, just being like, oh, yeah, and there's anthropomorphic ducks and they're cursed and they worship the death guy. And I was just like, okay, cool. That's funny. I love it. You know, um, <laughs> where, so where like, was it that you saw that first? Was it in, oh, in... God, I don't think I know the answer to where I saw it first, but it's definitely okay. in that classic book. Um, yeah, okay. so I don't know if that's where I saw it first, but uh, definitely, I, you know, I don't think my first exposure to RuneQuest was seeing it on the KSN website. I'm sure I've gotten hints of it somewhere else uh so it's that isn't that the duck game you know like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah um so that and then um the other thing i really dug especially when i was reading those original rules was uh this whole idea of the spirit world which i now realize the world of darkness stole from runequest right so like the world of darkness has this whole spirit world thing which again if you play mage is a big deal um, so seeing that in Glorantha, I was like, oh, this is familiar, right? But like, I've never seen it applied to like a fantasy game setting. And, uh, I really, really dig that. And as I was reading it, of course, you know, this idea that your character, instead of being in a cult or becoming a rune lord or a rune priest could become a shaman, right? Instead, like that was really appealing and, and sounded really cool. Um, so, and then that differentiation between like spirit world magic, which I guess used to be called battle magic and is now. Is it called mm -hmm. spirit magic now? Yeah, spirit magic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that differentiation between this like very common everyone you know can do kind of magic uh, versus like the much more special when you are like representing your deity kind of magic. I, it, it's really interesting. And then of course there's sorcery, which I don't understand, but uh, appreciate <laughs> it there. Uh, which I appreciate is there as being like, you could also do this. And I'm like, great. See you in ten years when I'm interested in that. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't 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 say you don't you you don't understand it because it might imply you have int below thirteen. Maybe I just get by on my charisma. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 tricky to understand. Yeah, the sorcery stuff, and even it's tricky to sort of understand how it fits 
because it's just the thing for the Lank or my characters and you sort of wonder like why it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's in Glorantha, so it sort of has to be in RuneQuest. Right. But if if you just look at RuneQuest as a game, you sort of wonder, like, why is there this weird third thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't say much about the rules. Like, I've skimmed through it and been like, oh, this is very different. And then also, it's like you say, it's like it's in the setting, but not anywhere. Like, I guess for Link or Mai, but yeah, it doesn't really apply to anything else. So, you it, you know, you kind of can read it and go like, oh, okay this i don't need to know this right like that's the the nice thing about <laughs> yeah. it you just be like okay i'll learn this if it matters later which so far it hasn't which is great you may just encounter it because there's a lot of foreign visitors going to come to the region mm. and plenty of them are using that okay yes. but anyway so what did you not like about the setting or things uh-huh. you could do, frankly go without or ignore or whatever yeah, you know, I'm definitely of that personality where um, the more I learn, the more I go, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, like, so it's <laughs> it's not that I like read something and I go, ah, that's dumb. Uh, I don't like it. Um, but I will say this, I am not, you know, I'm not really all that interested in the kind of meta plot aspects of the setting. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, the whole what's Argrath up to and where is he and, and who has he slaughtered recently? Like that's, I'm not, you know, I, I don't really care. Uh, like it, I, I do like that it's there, um, but I like, I'm not interested really uh, in being like, okay, let's play the people who are like close friends with him, right? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not super interested in that. Is it, uh, is it a, a general thing for all rpgs or is it just yeah. about this meta plots and there are other meta plots that you actually liked no no even even back in the world of darkness days like uh i didn't care i don't care what hardest up the younger and and so forth is doing in the vampire setting you know i don't i'm not super interested i don't want to play the vampires that encounter him and have to deal with it i you know in mage i don't want to play the the people who are uh investigating you know the spirit nuke that went on you know I, I like it's nice that that happened and this is going on uh and it's nice that you've published a campaign where you go to pluto and you fight uh Burmast harvester of souls whatever you know like i'm actually <laughs> this is stuff that happens in one of the the last adventure i guess that's all well and cool it's actually fun to read but i'm not going to do that in my game like my game is going to be you know, in the world of darkness, I, I love that kind of just street level interactions. Like, what is your character right. doing here with these people at this time? Uh, maybe knowing that Burmas is out there, right? Same with same with this. Like, you know, when I do turn my attention back to running it, uh, which I'll probably do at some point, uh, I'm definitely going for more of a, a smaller scale focus, is in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. which which can be done, right? The game is designed for all levels of it, which I, I think is great, but. Yeah, that's. I guess that's also maybe rooted in that whole family history thing of just being. I'm just being like, all right, who cares, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, building wall battle, sure, whatever. That's not happening over here, right? Like, stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with it. It's just uh, I'm not, I'm not all that invested in it. So yeah, I'm I'm, pre- I'm pretty similar in that I'm more interested in the in the street level sort mm-hmm. of uh, gaming. I guess. And this is why I'm also like a bit less interested in the, in the meta plot. Uh, whereas like, I know some other people, they're not interested in the meta plot because they want to, their players to be the heroes as opposed right. to be the companions of the heroes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's uh, basically the heritage of Garantha being the setting for board game before it became the setting for role-playing game. 
Yeah. And the board game was about a series of epic battles between the satellites and the Lunar Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's also just the sort of stories that Greg Stafford liked to play, because if you look at Pendragon, for example, the whole the whole gameplay of Pendragon is that you are those like second level heroes, the companions right. of Arthur and all that. So uh, I get the feeling that you actually like this, yeah, this this thing where you're not the heroes, but you're not either nobodies, and so you're you're sort of just below the the main heroes. Yeah, it's certainly a way to play, right? Like there's all sorts of great campaigns you can run that way, but it's just sort of not my. I'm just not super drawn to it so um, yeah. I, yeah i really want to play like i've never played pendragon so i'm really looking yeah. forward to the new edition and it does make sense to play that way in pendragon because it's it's king arthur right you're not going to play in arthurian england right by ignoring what king arthur is is, right. is up to right so it's i'm looking forward to try that way of playing with pendragon yeah um, yeah I mean, there is a history of playing the movers and shakers too, uh, as uh, one-off characters in a freeform setting. Yes, and once you have done that, you are a lot more comfortable with the meta plot because you've been in it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> tell like which famous characters did you play? Oh, well, which famous? Uh, I did play Picardiara Boom, uh, the troll shaman. Uh, son of the priestess of Blue Moon and uh, Darkness Demon. Mm, okay. I did play Beatport Aaron, the lover oh. and friend of uh, Jareel. Yes. I did play um, Bosch Bissil, uh, the giant helper of Gon Orta, the great giant of the Rockwood Mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, the others were, oh, yes, I did play in a second age uh, game. This eye necklace, guys. Ramadric eye necklace. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, The cool. really badass troll. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, create uh, like the equivalent of some IMDB page for people who played in Glorant and Freeforms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Nice. Anyway, uh, what else didn't you like uh, about Glorant? All the stuff you uh, you don't care about. That's kind of that's kind of it, right? Like, um, I think uh, you know, I don't want to sit here and say it's you know it's got its flaws, right? But most of it, you know, when I'm reading it, it it, it falls into the category of like stuff I like or stuff that is interesting, but I I don't want to deal with it or, or worry yeah. about it, kind of thing. One of the things that I I don't like, or maybe it's more that like I I wish there was, and I know I'm not alone in this, but I wish there was like a little bit more information about anywhere else in the world of Florentha other than this tiny place in Sartar, right? Like, you know, it's interesting. The original books are very Praxian focused and then the new stuff seems very Sartar focused. Uh, and, you know, I, I definitely like, you know, when I read the core book now, there's like the list of the six homelands. Uh, and it was the first time I saw like explanation or information on, you know, anything that wasn't, you know, the Sartar or the, the Praxian stuff. And that when I was reading the Grayslands, I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. Who are these people? What's this? Yeah. What's all this? Yelm? Who's this Yelm fellow? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, and just like getting into that and being like, Oh, this is where the fire is. Right. Like, cause like there was Yelmalio <laughs> I had seen, but you know, like, I don't know, like maybe just sitting down and playing around there. You're like, okay, what rune do you like? Oh, you know what? I'll be a fire guy, fire sky. Who can I worship? 
Oh, there's yeah. nobody? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah. a choice? Oh, huh. Okay. Oh, or I could go to this extremely conservative temple and do that, right? That's it. Right? <laughs> Yalmalia stuff. And then it's just like, okay. But then when I read the Graceland, we're like, there's a different guy? He's the sun? Oh, cool. I want to know more about this sun guy. And then when I finally read the source book, I get it. Okay. Yeah. 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 But then you're reading it, you're like, okay, wait, this is the guy Orlanth killed? Why did Orlanth kill him? Right? Like, it's just like... <laughs> Just it's everything supposed, is a question on a question, and yeah, uh, it's for the, source book, the source book answers those questions, right? Dear, dear listener, if you've not read the source book, uh, it, it helps. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now recently, if you if you followed the news, they recently announced the uh, finally the the cult book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and although you will have to wait probably a couple of years before you get the the the, the Sunfire Pantheon yeah. book. Oh, but next year, I guess. Uh, we hope, right? ironically. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah. at least the the Lightbringer one with that Orland guy. Uh, there's yep. probably going to be a, a a bunch of more information about his killing of Yelm and all that. So yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, more lore. More yeah. lore is what we need. Um, I am excited about those cult books because uh, I think they're. You know, as a as a World of Darkness veteran, the idea of a splat book for just my my people's stuff coming out, like, ooh, yes. I, I know what my shelf will look like, right? Yeah, <laughs> they will all line up. Oh, Maybe they'll right have like now. something on the spine that that sort of lines up and you know makes yeah. a drawing as you as you. But get not the perfectly. Books. You don't want them to all line up as though they were printed by the same. <laughs> you want them to be off just a little bit so that when you look at them, you go right. Things change each year. Yeah. Three years in, three three years in, they um they they change the graphic uh, design, right. and then your spines look different. And yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the struggle. Yes. <laughs> um, we are nearing the end of the interview. I think. Where are we up on uh, your? What's the next question? Uh, we're on the offer where you can ask some very specific question about the setting, and I'm doing my best to answer that. <laughs> If you have any question, well, I mean, yeah, you've got you know, you, you've, you've got the source book, so all right. You're... Well, here's yeah, I've got the source. Book. I got all the answers. Right? <laughs> I, I understand it perfectly, right? Now, um, all right. So here, this is a weird question, I think. Um, so if you read the classic books and you read the spell lists, and uh, and then you kind of like look at what's going on, uh, one of the seemingly most important spells are all of these like mind link spells where they're constantly, you're constantly in like yes. telepathic communication and none of those spells are, they're, they're not this mind speech. I think it's what's called. It's not in the new edition. Is that yes. because is that, a, is there a reason for that? Is it like just a massive headache to run that at the table or something? Cause like I saw that and I was like, wow, this has huge implications. Everyone's telepathically communicating or invites yes. and the new edition. It's gone. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess that's mostly for gameplay reasons because it's a huge headache when everybody can cast their spells through one person who's uh, at the front. And yeah, uh, Mind Link has been has backpedaled a lot. You still have something like that with uh, certain allied spirits. Okay. Or um, basically the spirit uh, Rune Lord gets when they uh, jo uh, join the ranks. Right. But, right. Yeah, uh, mind link was way overpowered. You, you could use uh, other people's uh, power uh, for enchantments and stuff like that. You still can do that, but now on a more voluntary basis. And 
yeah, yeah. It, it really is light invisibility um, gameplay issue. Okay. <laughs> where, where you, you, you couldn't know other people's spells through it, right? You could just communicate. Well, uh, no. Uh, the way I see it, uh, you could cast their spells. Uh, I don't know. I just looked it up in the PDF. Uh, it says the uh, thoughts, the thoughts to be transmitted must be verbalized. Spell knowledge and ability cannot be transmitted since spell usage is a partially unconscious ability. I don't know. Okay. Power points also cannot be transmitted. So I think it's just thought, but yeah, I see it's it's probably also already too overpowered, even without it's, uh, that. Yeah, it's it's still overpowered and. Uh... With your allied spirits, you have uh, the ability to use their spells. Mm. Now, the workaround for the uh, murder tourist <laughs> is sure. you capture a family of dark elves and you give one to each player. <laughs> <laughs> because dark, because okay. dark elves are, you know, they're the uh, fungus mushroom elves. Right. And uh, because, like, you know, mushroom networks and all that, um, uh, those elves are, if they come from the same batch, they are all telepathically linked together. Yeah. Is it telepathy or is it just uh, them being drawn to the uh, mycelium? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, whichever it is, you don't care. You're a murder tourist. You only care about the actual gameplay benefits. So you just, you just give one, one of those little elves. I mean, they're still a bit bulky, but you know, they, they're less than one meter tall. You can, you can hook them up to the, uh, to your, um, to your belt. They're quite squishy. (laughs) Yeah, quite squishy. You can probably cut off their limbs and just keep the head and and they're (laughs) still alive. You're a murder tourist. Yeah, murder tourist. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, so, but yeah, don't do that, kids. I'm I'm joking. Don't do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's an immortal race of greenskin uh, human beings uh, who are similarly in telepathic uh, contact, regardless of distance. Who is that? Uh, called the Derry. And they used to sail on Vertagi uh, ships. Oh, okay. Being the communication device until they betrayed them. Mm. Oh, so the word taggy were also abusing people just the way I suggested? Yes. <laughs> nice. Shit. <Yeah>. Cool. cool. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> yeah, there's some really brutal groups in this setting. You read them and they're like, oh, who's this? Oh, they did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yes. That happens a lot. Then you play them. Yeah. Then you play it, yeah. And you're like, all right, next next game. More account PC, right? <laughs> yeah. you're, you're playing a, a duck following the death god. I am, yeah, Humacti duck. So you know, it just it just came printed out that way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's that, that's not too bad because you're you're doing that just because you you don't like the neighboring undead. So it's it's, yeah. it's okay. It's not as bad. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Uh, Oh, you know what? That does remind me. One of my favorite things, uh, reading that, reading the RuneQuest for the first time, is when you read the section on vampires, and they're like, vampires are undead, so they're repelled by the death rune. And then you look at the death rune, and it's a cross, right? Yes. So it's just like, okay, that's very funny. I love that. Yeah, yes. I think we are... Um, close to the end, yes. Close to the end. Uh, I think we're going to do a round of little wildcard no. questions. 
Not quite. First, we uh, have to ask you whether there are any projects of yours uh, which you want to advertise. Oh, ah, yes. Where can I people find you online? I appreciate the plug, but I am uh, I'm, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm in the games. I'm, you, might, you might see me on Discord, but I like to lurk. Uh, I like to read other people's writing and, and just think about it. <laughs> so what, what, you, what you mean is that you have um, actual life and things to do rather than waste your time online. And I, I totally support that. Well, I didn't want to say it like that, but yes. <laughs> also, also, you spend your time being actually useful to society by um, raising uh, and educating kids. So, you know, that's that's to be yeah. uh, celebrated. Bringing them to enter role playing. Maybe uh, there's and something. That too. That you uh, you might want to advertise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do the silly stuff. Go on. So we we know you're playing a duck. So uh, what well, uh, what would be your favorite uh, other underdog race? Trollkin or Newtling? Trollkin. Okay. Why? <laughs> uh, they get a bad rap. They're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> they get a bad rep. Yeah, they get a bad rep. They're great. They're little, they got spears, maybe. I don't know. What, what, what kind of bad rep do they get? Oh, I don't know, but they might be food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you more lunar or, or lengthy? I feel like I lean lunar. I don't know. <laughs> well, don't think about the big text uh, evasion dress. Uh, I know. About. I know. That's the thing. It's terrible for ducks. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when I'm not playing a duck. I'm like, the, everything, everything I read about the lunars is like, it does feel like that other layer of interesting, like, uh, like it's so a little bit more fascinating, especially as a reader, because it does have a lot more weird mysteries at it. And then also it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, if you've ever watched HBO's Rome, like it's got big Rome vibes. So, uh, that's kind of cool. And not that Rome is a good place or was a good place, I guess, uh, ancient world, uh, and neither is the lunar place, but, uh, I don't know. It's not paradise anywhere in Glorantha. So yeah. Well, um, other elder races. Uh, what would uh, what, uh, what would you prefer to encounter, an elf or a dwarf? I think a dwarf, because uh, that's something I don't think I understand all that much in the setting. What makes them different and or interesting? They do kind of they they've got weird stuff going on, and I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Encountering one would be good, right? <laughs> I mean, if your understanding of dwarves is that they have weird stuff going on and you don't understand it, then you totally get dwarves. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Done. Basically, based on what you find more interesting or more uh, funny or whatever, you can treat uh, dwarves as uh, the insertion of steampunk into Glorantha or okay. uh, robotics into Glorantha, you know, uh, machine people like the, you might consider them to be actual machines rather than living beings, all that kind of stuff. So you, you basically give them a vibe and a, an interpretation based on which of those sort of themes is more interesting. Okay. Yeah. They're definitely weird. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite mount? Yeah, um, probably the llamas, the high llama. Yeah, if I was going to be a Praxian, I'd be a high llama guy because uh, I just really talk llamas. Um, Yelmalio or trolls? Yelmalio or trolls? Oh man, yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, I did say I like the fire. I mean, interesting fire stuff, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a little. 
uh, a little off put by the the Yelmalio. It's it's way too. Uh, I don't know. It's cool that it's there again, but I'm like not interested in doing Sundome te- Sundome Temple stuff. Uh, I like looking at the map and being like, let's not go there. Uh, so oh, yeah, why? Um, I don't know. It just um, it's hard to describe. It feels like it's very very specific, right? Like in if you go to Sartar or Prax, you've got all these different ways of being. Uh, and one of those ways of being is the Sundome Temple, uh, it, or at least that's what it seems like to me. Maybe there's a huge book somewhere that explains the hundred ways. Uh, I didn't know exactly what to think about Yelmalio um, uh, earlier in my Glorenthan studies, especially because every time you bring up Yelmalio, there's a whole bunch of old people who stopped um, ranting for a long time. Uh, what sort of opened my eyes to the potential of Yelmalio, which you actually might appreciate, was from like some of Jeff's posts about it okay uh so first the fact that the yelmalio sundom temple in prax is sort of an outlier because mm. you know it got built there and it was like in very unfriendly land and all that and and so that's why they're a bit conservative and a bit like okay. sort of turned in the wars and whatnot and so it's apparently totally not representative of the yes. other sundom temples oh, okay. which is probably the sort of you know um in the world explanation to retcon anything they wrote before and say like oh yeah we only wrote about that one but it's different no, no, and, no. yeah it's a re-retcon really <laughs> <laughs> right uh but one thing that i found interesting is um the take that Yelmalio, you know he was the guy who sort of kept the light going in yeah. the in the great darkness he was out there, you know, out in the in the frontiers of the world, uh, bringing mm-hmm. civilization and bringing the light of Yelm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so you can you can consider Sundom Temple in some way as basically uh, community centers out in the wild that bring civilization and uh, the light of civilization to, uh, to to difficult people. So that might be, you know, where you have um, your public library and um, and, and your <laughs> okay. schools and your stuff like that, right? Oh, because it's like the rec center. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's right, he's the well, guy. He, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think he did it for me. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> but then uh, it was the kingdom of night headed, uh, headed by the trollish uh, only old one uh, who really saved civilization and uh, coordinated the, the Orlanthi and all other people at the dawn. The trolls really saved civilization. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask a, uh, uh, our year, can I ask a link or my scribe question now? Uh, this is another question. This is about Yelmalio, now that we're talking about him. Uh, so what you describe now is making me wonder, uh, are there other, like, do people, so if you Join the Yamalio cult. Is that like so you don't have to be like a mercenary who lives at the Sundome? No. Is there no. other people like is just are there just farmers out there worshiping him? Or? Oh yes. Um, I mean, uh, first of, first of all, there are lots of uh, Praxian nomads who worship him for the uh, horseback or other beastback uh, archery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of farmers who uh, contribute to the Sundome temples, uh, who send their sons there and who may have taken some service before going back to be farmers. Okay. 
And you find them uh, in the Sata place, you find them even out there in Prex. And one of the best uh, supplements uh, right out there right now is the Tales of a Sand uh, Heart Militia, mm. which is a four-volume series of sort of police procedural uh, done by amateur Templars. Police procedural, all right. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's basically... <laughs> Um, you've got, I think it's set north of New Pavis in, in Prax, like in Northern Prax. Oh, okay. Uh, and you've got like, you know, a whole bunch of little villages around the, around the river, like up the river. Mm. I mean, you could play it a bit like, um, have you seen the, the TV show Justified? I'm not, but I, I, I know what it is. Yeah. Right. So you've got like, you know, a whole bunch of small villages in like hillbillies who have like various clans of uh, farmers, but also mm. people doing drugs and being thugs and, right. and stuff like that. Right. So basically like hillbilly organized crime. And then you've got the, uh, the, the U.S. Marshal and FBI office in the, in the, in the nearest main city. I don't, in Justify, I don't remember what is the, what is the nearest city, but anyway. Well, um, uh, it's the Sandom Temple or it's Pervis? <laughs> yeah, well, in that in that case, yeah, it would be the nearest Sandom Temple. And so you can imagine like Yelmalians as basically um, a, a U.S. federal agency who is occasionally sending <laughs> people to, you know, when when it's uh, when it's more than when there's a problem that is more than what can be dealt with by just like the couple of Orlanti uh, people uh, working for the chieftain or whatever. So that's uh, that's a fun a fun take on on the Yelmalio temples too. Yeah. So your your deputies uh, doing the real stuff while someone is trying to gain a greater picture. Yeah. I don't know. I like uh, I like your uh, rec center take. That might be a fun avenue to explore. Maybe an evil. Uh, an evil uh, landlord could come in and try to close it down, and then uh, the Amalians could uh, organize a big dance for everyone. That sounds like an. <laughs> well, the the evil evil landlord might be the trolls who own oh, yeah. uh, most of the lands around it. Yes, so, want it back. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so thanks again for taking the time to speak to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, and good luck uh, bringing uh, kids into the wonderful world of uh, RPGs. And thank, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learners Glorenthan Initiation Series. The intro music is Dancing Tiger by Damscray. The outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at The God Learners. See you next time. Question everything to the void and beyond.